This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Hi there, and welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat, and this is another episode of Behind the Sessions and the last episode of 2023, if you can even believe it. Um, for those of you who've been following along, I started Behind the Sessions this year to really give people a sneak peek behind the curtain of therapy. What you know are people talking about in therapy? It, for some people, is like this mysterious process or it's just very misunderstood or there's some really old ideas out there about who goes to therapy, what types of people need therapy. And, you know, all of this podcast is to really try and break down the stigma of mental health overall, but also, but also the stigma around just getting help. It shouldn't be that hard for us to understand now, especially in this day and age, that people go through things and that help is okay. And not only okay, it's proactive, it's meaningful, it's beneficial. But unfortunately, we have the holdovers of, you know, that we're supposed to be strong enough and pull ourselves through things and not need help for some reason. And I think that has really made us disconnected from a sense of community and the sense of connection that can really help us when we are in need. And we know, you know, in the field for sure that the more isolated that somebody feels, even if there are a hundred people around, if they don't feel like they have connection to the people around them, it is devastating to their mental health. And that can effect can be felt in a very real way, especially during the holidays. What's interesting is that, you know, we have a drive to be connected to people for sure, but there's somehow all these unseen, not talked about rules that we're supposed to be connected, but not need or want anything from our connections. And it, this is doubly true in the process of transition to motherhood and motherhood in general, in fatherhood, in parenthood. 
at least in sort of Western cultures and the more that people have moved away from, you know, far away from families for whatever reason, you know, jobs or, or whatnot, the family unit isn't as close in proximity as they used to be to one another. And for some people that's great. If you've had really difficult relationships, some people really try and get that distance. It's purposeful to try and have space, which is also totally fine. And, you know, for people who have good connection, close relationships with their family members, then that's great. That for sure happens. And I do hear about that in therapy too, and how important the supports are, how important the closeness and connection of your parents are if you're pregnant or you've just had a baby or your siblings and those connected relationships really, really do help people get through. But whether you have a really close and connected family or you're in a family that you don't feel close or connected to, people that you try to not be around very much, the holidays create an extra amount of everything. And that is sometimes for good and sometimes for really difficult and in difficult ways. So I want to talk about the post-holiday slump. And in the last episode of Behind the Sessions, I talked about how to manage holiday stress. And I think it's important to note that just because a holiday is over doesn't mean you're not still impacted or affected by it for some period of time. There, even if the holidays were fulfilling and joyful for you, it is a lot of energy output. You know, let's see, making lists, completing tasks, Um, getting presents for everyone, making multiple trips to the store, coordinating gifts between, you know, let's say grandparents and siblings and who's getting who what. And it's a lot to be the manager of this process. And that's just the things, the list, let alone whatever emotional stuff is coming up for you internally or for people around you. Again, it can be joyful as well. It can be that your kids are getting their friends' presents and they're really excited to do that, but you are the manager of that. I mean, if if you really started to think about all of the extra things that you do or have done during the holiday season, it starts to add up to be a lot. And If you then also add in that you're managing a pregnancy or there's a newborn, or even if there's just, you know, babies, toddlers, the management of that and their needs is in addition, is layered into every aspect. And honestly, the more and more you think about it, the more and more you realize how overwhelming it is. And I'm not saying any of this to be, you know, a Debbie Downer, Rather, I think it is important for people to remember context always because the after effect of everything, all of the energy that you have put out, all the things that you've done, all the lists and things, items that you've checked off do have an impact. And there's even more of an impact if you're dealing with really heavy emotional stuff. And in many families, the mother or the primary caregiver is the doer of the bulk of these items. And I am in no way suggesting that dads and partners don't participate and help out and pull their share. But societally, the pressure is generally on the woman in the household 
to be taking care of a lot of these details. And if you're somebody who is at home or works from home or stay at home mom or parent, then you also become the default doer because you don't you know, have a nine to five job necessarily that you have to clock in and clock out for. If you have more flexibility, technically on paper you do, but there's so just so much more gets put on the kind of default doer in the household. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Another layer that I touched on a little bit before is the gathering whether it's family gathering or friend gathering, there's just typically more of it during this time. And for people who have really challenging and conflicted, conflictual relationships with their family, this can be extremely difficult to be around people who you maybe don't feel emotionally safe with or who don't understand your boundaries, let's say with your pregnancy or with your baby or newborn, there's just so many more things you have to attend to when your boundaries aren't respected or listened to. And in therapy, in the therapy process, if somebody has a family or family member that they're not connected to or feel very emotionally unsafe with or on shaky ground with, there is a lot of prep in our sessions for how to manage that. We could spend one session on it, or we could spend multiple sessions on the lead up just to a family gathering. As an example, some things that have come up is with the resurgence in COVID and illness being everywhere, essentially is the mom being worried that the family members aren't going to be forthcoming about if they're sick or not, or let's say are not willing to mask if they have a little cold and the mom has a new baby and is you know worried about RSV or whatever other illness 
and concern that a family member might not respect her boundary or question it or even diminish it like, oh, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. So our therapy session is spent figuring out how to have a boundary and how to have a boundary with somebody who is maybe not going to respect that boundary and how to manage the guilt or shame or whatever other thing comes back from setting a boundary that you're not used to setting. Now, there's another type of scenario where the mom has some family members who are coming in from out of town and the family members don't necessarily agree with how the mom and dad parent. So let's say the client and her partner, how they parent their child, the family members often come with thoughts or ideas on how mom and dad should be doing things differently and are not afraid to say so, or are very energetically like vacuums. They just, the family members take and take and take. And as a mom, if you're in this scenario, you might have to be figuring out how to protect your energy not that anybody's going to like physically harm you, but how do you not be depleted completely after their stay? And how do you set boundaries and limits, if not directly with the person um, you're having difficulties with, but how to set them internally, meaning like not taking people's stuff on, you know, deciding for yourself ahead of time, how you're going to respond to things so that you don't have to figure it out in the moment, which is incredibly stressful. We could be looking in therapy at how to set boundaries, what to say, how to say it, scheduling in downtime, strategies for bowing out of a situation that somebody doesn't want to be in if they're uncomfortable, how to talk with your partner ahead of time, what the exit strategy is going to be, or how to have like a signal across the room when you're starting to become overstimulated and you need like someone to come save you from the conversation. And, you know, certainly depending on your scenario and your situation, that the strategies for how to manage this stress in the moment will vary and differ depending on what your needs are. So that's just some of the emotional and mental load that can come with an increase in socializing, family gathering, friend gathering, whatever it may be. So we have the lists, the things to do, the mental and emotional load, the relationships that you may be trying to manage. And then there's your internal process, your internal sense of self, and potentially your connection or relationship with your pregnancy or your newborn, or for people who've experienced a loss, how the loss of that child is incorporated into the holiday or not. Those are very complex emotional scenarios and each person in therapy there's not like a one size fits all for these kinds of fixes or how to manage all of this as i'm listing out these areas of stress with the tasks and the relationships and the emotional mental load and your internal process how you are feeling there's so much work that goes into managing all of this whether it's on a conscious or unconscious level it has an impact it affects you. There's no way that it doesn't. You would have to be a robot to not be affected or impacted on some level. Let's just for a second, take all those stressors off the table. If you would just account for the increase in output that you have, the amount that you are doing, that takes a toll in and of itself. It takes a toll on your energy, maybe on your bandwidth. It might be harder to remember things. You could feel a little brain foggy. 
You could be irritable. That's a big one. So you put in all of this effort, all of this energy, and you know, the holidays come through, whatever it is you're celebrating, and then it ends. The decorations be need to be put away. The everything needs to be cleaned up. The go, go, go busyness of everything stops fairly abruptly. And it's like, you know, if you think of a car that's like driving super fast and you slam on the brakes, like you put the brakes on, but the car is still moving. There's still momentum. So sometimes what happens emotionally is that people feel out of sorts when things are over, because especially with like, you know, the tail end of at least sort of American Western holidays, there's the October holidays, November holidays, December holidays, and that, that's a lot of time being spent in a sort of a momentum. Then when it stops, uh, you could feel out of sorts. You could feel like you don't know what to do with yourself. Or if you are somebody who has learned how to cope by setting things aside, compartmentalizing, not paying attention to how stuff impacts you, you know, paying attention, meaning like conscious attention, you don't have some slow release valve throughout this period of time that helps you unload some of this emotional stuff. Then once all of the magic or noise or whatever you want to call it ends with the holiday, you might then begin to feel what you couldn't feel at the time or what you didn't have the time to or the bandwidth or energy. Sometimes when events are over, we then feel all of our feelings about it. And those can come in many different ways. Like people can be nostalgic. People can miss family. You could, you know, be reflecting and realizing that you had some disappointments along the way that you're now feeling the hurt about. You could reflect and realize that you maybe wished you had done X, Y, or Z differently. And so kind of sitting with that grief that it maybe didn't go the way you planned or, or wanted to. And now that things are kind of over and you have that time to settle a little bit, reflect a little bit, think more, whether you want to or not, think about um, how things went for you. You can really start to feel feelings that you had to set aside. And sometimes those feelings can be grief. Sometimes it can be like sadness. It could be, uh, you know, regret or disappointment or anger at somebody or something that happened. Certainly for people who have really complex emotional relationships with family members, especially family members who tend to be emotionally abusive, when you come out of the fog of that, uh, you can have a like, wait, what? Like, what just happened? Did that actually happen again? Did I allow that to happen again? Or did they do that thing they always do that I thought I would catch this time and I can't believe they got one over on me. Just listing some of the things that people do talk about and do experience post-holiday when they're in a more of a reflective state. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. 
I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. And touching back on grief again, you know, grief is so multi-layered and can come about in so many different ways. And I'm not necessarily talking about grief in terms of loss specifically, although if you've had a loss in the past year or several years, those feelings do tend to come up around holidays or those types of time markers like the new year. But you can experience loss of agency loss of what feels like that things didn't go the way that you wanted it to, that the things you'd hoped for didn't quite happen that way. And because of the way the holidays are stacked, and then the new year happens, again, in kind of, as far as I know, mostly Western type cultures, but maybe globally now, is there's this new thing you have to start thinking about, which is the new year's resolution. So you've been going through all of this stuff, you're in a post-holiday slump, the new year comes around and you're now supposed to gear up and decide what you wanna change. And unfortunately, a lot of times they are pressured to be big overtures, things like that are connected to really emotional stuff too, like weight loss, which is hugely triggering for a lot of people anyways. So you could be now experiencing an additional pressure. And I love calling stuff out. It's one of my favorite things to do. Calling it out in terms of like I said before, remembering the contextual factors of your stress. Why are you stressed out? Well, you can list off and pick from the list of things I gave you, or maybe you have your very own list of things, but it's important to remember that like, oh, why do I feel so bad? Or why do I feel down? Why do I feel low? How come I don't quite feel like I'm into stuff right now? It could be related to all of this effort that you just had to put out for months. And now you're dipping into a state where you don't have to be moving with that same momentum anymore. And it can feel just like a slump, like you're down. So understanding that, calling it out, making it known consciously what is impacting you is just incredibly important in your own process so that you don't feel like you're just sort of flapping in the wind with whatever comes at you. You understand like, oh, I feel this way because X, Y, Z. And it's usually more than one thing. We are complex, messy beings and so are our issues and that's normal. So one of the ways to cope with all of this, aside from listing or noticing the things that are impacting you or that could be impacting you, 
is to allow yourself time to recuperate. And that is an active process. That is allowing yourself, making time in your schedule, telling everybody, I am going to rest during this time on this day. You can schedule it. You can make sure everybody's prepared or when it comes up and you really need it, you tell your partner or your family that they need to take over so that you can have some downtime. When we've been through a lot of anything, the stress rises and continues to compound and the weight of that bearing down on us gets more and more. When the stressor ends, if it ends, then you find yourself coming back to baseline. But if the stressor ends and you're still up here, you know, up here in the high levels of stress, then getting down to baseline is much harder. Baseline meaning like how you normally function, what feels like you're normal and you're more content or less stressed out place. So the process can be and sometimes needs to be really, really active. Like asking yourself when you wake up in the morning, what do I need today? Do I need to, you know, sit in a bathtub for an hour? Do I need to go on a walk? Do I need to have quiet time? Do I need to meet up with a close friend and kind of vent? And you can ask yourself that every day. It doesn't have to be the same answer every day. It's just, you know, getting into a practice of checking in with yourself to see what you need and put your need on the list of things that need to be done or attended to in your life. If you don't make that a conscious and active process, life just fills in the gaps. It just does. So I really encourage you to make the time, create the time and space in your life so that you can come down from all that you've just been through, all that you've just done. And you don't have to do anything. You can stare at a wall. It doesn't have to be some expensive spa day or whatever. It can be just really mundane self-care, like sitting outside in the sun, if you happen to have sun where you're at, or you know, going on that walk or talking to that person and adding in as much of that as possible starts to help reduce the stress load that you've been carrying around and help bring you back down to what your baseline is. So you can reflect even right now, what are the things that help you feel restored even a little bit, not full restoration, but what are the things, incremental, small baby steps of things that you do that you can begin to add into your day, week, month, however long it is that can help you reduce some of the stress load that you've been carrying and get you to a point where you're not feeling that post-holiday slump in the same way that you were. And this can be small changes every day. So this is fairly relatively easy self-care practice to install. The first thing you do in the morning, even if you're kind of woken up by somebody or something, at a point in the morning to ask yourself what you need that day, how you can add in rest and recuperation time into your day so that you don't continue to carry the weight of the holidays with you into the next few months and to treat yourself with um, compassion and love and kindness, even if it's in very small ways. So I hope that this conversation has been helpful for you to just recognize what you might be carrying with you and to give you permission to not carry that anymore, give you permission to take care of yourself in a way that's gonna help you feel like you. 
And for those of you who are suffering with a perinatal mental health condition, this just makes everything even more complex. And I really encourage you that if you haven't yet connected with a perinatal therapist to do so, it's totally worth it. Getting the help, getting the support is worth it for you, for your quality of life. It's really, really important. Like quality of life really matters. You don't have to white knuckle it through all of this without help. And please do anybody who can't quite get to a therapist yet, or you're not sure if that's um, what's for you, you can go to my website, wellmindperinatal.com and go to the courses section and look through the courses that I offer that help explain some of the difficulties of the transition into new parenthood and help you look and reflect to see if you might be dealing with a perinatal mental health condition and what to do about it. There are some really solid skills in there that can absolutely help you get back to feeling like you want to feel. I thank you so much for being with me until next time. Please find the mom and mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at mom and mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.